Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's a brand new year. And what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of? Those I was there when Arsenal actually scored a gold t-shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way through to the did we hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash arsblog, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash arsblog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash arsblog. Hello and welcome to another Arsblog Arscast, right here on arsblog.oleole.com. I think everything's in good shape, we're good to go, I've got the wine, and you have got the ears, which is about all either of us need um, to enjoy uh, this whole experience. Uh, It has been a rather slow week uh, for Arsenal, and for Arsenal bloggers, and Arsblog as well. And you get used to the interlulls pre-Christmas, you know, the breaks that you have, and you have two weeks without a game. But I can't remember before the, this part of the season being quite so dull and quiet. Maybe it's because we had those four games against uh, United, Chelsea, uh, Villa, and Liverpool. And, and after that, and after the tension and drama and horribleness of a couple of those games uh, everything seems to be a little bit of a, an anticlimax. maybe that's what it is but it seems interminably dull considering we're heading into the business end of the season there's very little going on normally when i sit down to do the arsecast i look at the blog you know to see what's been going on all week it's because my memory is poor that has nothing to do uh, with the wine I should say, I just, in general, I'm not a very memorific person. I have to write stuff down and put stuff on post-its, and then I have to put stuff on post-its to remind me to look at the post-its. And in general, I'm not good with remembering things like names and facts and details and bills and and all that kind of stuff. So I I look back at the blog and, and I look at the stories that have been capturing the imagination, so to speak, 
for the five days, four or five days uh, leading up to the Arscast. And then obviously you base, you know, what's going on around that. This week, having read back over everything, the main talking points on the blog have been testicular injuries and the lack of them, footballers with beards or mustaches like the guy in the Big Lebowski, Witty comments on the Mirror website, calling Stan Collymore a wife-beater, which never gets old, that kind of thing. Odd Dreams featuring Paul Mariner. And let me tell you, uh, in terms of people you want to be dreaming about, he's not the worst in the world, but nor is he the most exciting, Paul Mariner. He had a kind of waxy um, texture or something in my dream, which I didn't like. I don't like that waxiness on people. You know, you see those people and and they don't look real. And that's what he looked like. Almost like a waxwork dummy come to life. We had Andre R. Shavin's website and his uh, rather brusque answering of questions. Graham Pohl being a huge cunt. Simply because he is, of course, Graham Pohl. And while all those things over the course of a week might seem reasonably okay and reasonably entertaining as they go, you might notice there's not a great deal of actual football in there. And as we try and focus as much as possible on the football and the goings-on surrounding the football, this has not caused a problem, but obviously leaves one a little bit short in terms of material because we haven't had a game in midweek. We might have had an FA Cup replay if we'd gone on in the FA Cup. But it just seems odd to me that this stage of the season is so quiet. And of course, next week we have the, um, can you say the tedium, the dullness of an interlull, a mini interlull coming up, because at first I thought, oh Christ, an interlull, they're going to be away, and the players will come back, and blah, blah, blah. But then I realized, of course, this is February. So when it said March the 6th, or whatever is our next fixture, I was thinking that was a bit further down the line. February, of course, having fewer days. I told you I'm not very good at this remembering things and facts and, you know, what year it is and how old I am and all that kind of jazz. I don't generally remember that. Um, But we have this interlull going on and then we have to sit and pray and hope that none of our players go away and get more injured than they are already. So that doesn't add to the excitement. It just makes the week drag even longer before we have another game of football. Uh, nevertheless, nevertheless, I, I have endeavored to uh, produce some kind of a, a podcast this week, despite the lack of football. And joining me in a couple of moments' time uh, will be John Cross from The Mirror to talk about whatever vague football stuff there is around. Uh, a little bit later on, we'll be uh, going Russian. And that's about as much as I can tell you on that one. So uh, between the last Arscast and this Arscast, we had that game against Sunderland which was um, nervy. I only saw the second half, as I said, uh, because uh, on Saturday afternoon I was playing a game of football uh, at Tolka Park um, for one of uh, Ireland's newspapers, uh, sort of running on and off and playing a bit of football here and there. But it was interesting to play at a stadium, an actual stadium. Now, there weren't very many people there. In fact, the stadium was about 0.05% full which is what it must be like to be a, a Wigan player. 
but interesting nonetheless. But I got back in time to see the second half, and it was all a bit nervy, and, you know, they had their chances, and we didn't take our chances. But uh, I suppose you can't complain about the result. That's what you wanted. Bentner was on the score sheet, Sesk with a penalty laid on, and performance... Not a great deal to write home about, but three points, very important indeed, considering Manchester United had lost to Everton, which was not altogether unexpected. But I suppose it puts the uh, the result, the two results we had against Everton into some kind of perspective. The, the first game of the season, the 6-1, I know Everton traditionally start the season slowly, but they've showed what kind of a team they are in recent months. And... Uh, to win 6-1 is something else and to keep going and get that 2-2 draw against them at home when it looked like we were going to lose a game uh, also I suppose a bit of credit there has to go to the lads so um, an interesting weekend and then you're the Champions League thing is confusing as well because normally all the Champions League games would have happened last week and now we don't have a Champions League game until the week after the week after next or something crazy like that anyway and I watched Chelsea versus Inter Milan and Christ almighty, it was dull. It really was. And you're sitting there going, well, this is Chelsea, who I hate, against Inter Milan, managed by Mourinho, who I hate. So you're you're hoping for one of those two all draws, lots of red cards, and someone to throw down a scooter off the top level of the stadium, but one which is filled with Semtex or boiling oil or something like that. Just add a bit of fun to it. So it's been a strange all week, football-wise. Nevertheless, we've got a big game coming up this weekend, and um, we'll come around to that in a few moments' time. But with me now, um, to help pass the time a little bit, I'm delighted to welcome back to the Arsecast, John Cross from The Mirror. Hi, John. Hello, gentlemen. Now, let's talk about Arsenal and how how quiet it is really at the moment. There's the Sunderland game, which Arsenal won a week off then before the Stoke game. There's an international break before the Burnley game. Given the stage of the season that we're at, um, will Arsene Wenger uh, be a little frustrated by this? Would he prefer the games to be coming a bit a bit quicker? Or is it maybe a chance uh, for some of the uh, the injured players to recover and, and, uh, and get ready for that, for that final run-in? Well, I think if you're in great form, I think the last thing you'd want is, a, is sort of a break, a sort of week-long break here and there. Um, and I think, you know, the, 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 I think you just want to keep the momentum going, you keep that winning streak going. Obviously, Arsenal, you know, had a really good win over Sunderland, but still not exactly flying, still not really in top form. So I think it's more important at the moment to get a few of those sort of injured players back, the players like sort of Eduardo who've got little niggles and sort of, you know, hopefully sort of will be um, rested up now. And sort of Manuel Mooney has been carrying this sort of finger injury, you know, so be good to have him back sort of nearer full strength you know obviously played against Sunderland but you just you know need him back William Gallas as well so I think at the moment I think you know just it's important I think for Arsenal to regroup make sure that they're ready to to go I mean Gallas will be crucial I think um, for, for, for Stoke if Arsenal going to win at Stoke you need your defence ready and at full strength so I think the, the rest is a bit more important at the moment he will be looking ahead to this international break because they haven't always been particularly kind to Arsenal. Um, uh, the the last international break for friendlies, we lost uh, Robin van Persie uh, for essentially the rest of the season. So given the way that Arsenal pick up injuries in their own games, he's going to be sitting there lighting candles with all his fingers crossed, hoping they, they come back unscathed. Yeah, I think so. I think there's... Arsenal have got so many players from so far and wide. I think that's that's the problem, really. I mean, that's you know that's what comes from having a really good 
um, universal and adaptable and a, and a really good uh, global squad. But I do think sometimes, you know, Arsene Wenger must think, oh gosh, you know, I wish I could make more players unavailable for international call-ups, um, you know, because so many times players sort of, especially at this stage of the season, are carrying more nursing, nursing injuries, trying to get through it and just need that break. And then if they go away with their their respective international squads, any sort of knock in training could put them out for two or three weeks for the club, and that's the that's the last thing you want. And of course, obviously in World Cup year, the players are you know also focused on the international scene. So, just fingers crossed at the moment. And I think it was such a big thing, you know, and last time out in November to lose Van Persie, and you know, it just seems like an eternity ago that Robin Van Persie actually played for the club, doesn't it? And I think the last thing you need is another key player, um, you know, to come down with an international injury. I want to talk to you a little bit about the goalkeeping situation because it's one that has cropped up, I think, from probably the the first few weeks of this season. Um, we know Fabianski had his nightmare performance in Porto. Maybe Almunia was rushed back a little ahead of schedule to play in, in the Sunderland game. Arsene Wenger has said he's got uh, absolute faith in, in the goalkeepers that he has, which you wouldn't expect anything different from him uh, at this point of the season because there is nothing he can do to, to change that situation. But you, uh, maybe having spoken to him um, more privately, you know, uh, uh, at the press conferences and, and the little meetings that you have with him, has he given you any indication that this is a, an area... Uh, in which he is prepared to invest money in the summer, because it, for, for for many of us, I think that seems to be uh, the only solution. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I totally agree, Andrew. Whenever I whenever I write on this, really, and and, and look, let's be honest, I think often the, the goalkeeper situation probably doesn't make headlines in, in in national newspapers, which I think is a frustration for Arsenal fans because. The goalkeeping situation, I think, is so um, paramount, really, to, to Arsenal's chances of success that I'm amazed that more international players don't carry it. And <laughs> covering Arsenal as I do, following them as I do, it, it causes me frustration because it's there for everyone to see, as far as I'm concerned. So I've taken it really upon myself to write about it in my sort of online column and also sort of, you know, in my, in my Twitter um, account. And I just feel that. It's such an issue at the moment, and fans can see it. Manuel Amunia, I think that last season, he was good last season. I think people were too quick to forget that. Fabianski, from all I hear in training, is is really a good goalkeeper um, and does everything right. But whenever he seems to play in big games, and he's played in a few big games now, it always, always comes down to an individual mistake. And that leaves me questioning his mentality, really, um, whether he's got the mentality for the big games. Um, he's clearly talented, um, but I'm not sure about him in the big game situation. I think Vito Manoni is third choice at the moment. Um, I'll be honest with you, I think that if Arsene Wenger were a little bit braver in the autumn, then he would have put Sesney in um, after he had a really good Colin campaign. But Manoni kept his place in the Fulham. I personally think a few weeks ago I said to Arsene Wenger, you know, what about the goalkeeper situation? Because I heard a few things that sort of, you know, been banded around and, you know, about a few doubts. Obviously fans were up in arms about it. And he said, absolutely not. I've got great faith in Manuel and I'm going to stick with him and I've got good goalkeepers underneath. I think about two weeks ago I also made the same point to him about goalkeepers. Well, I think it was last week actually on the back of the Fabianski mistakes that would have been last Friday. He was a little bit, he gave a little bit more of a 
you know, sort of, I'm not thinking about that at the moment. We'll have to see in the summer. Yeah. Which wasn't, <laughs> which is a chink of light, really, I think. Um, <laughs> it, it's basically, because I, I personally think that we all believe that without a top-class goalkeeper, Arsenal are not going to win trophies. You, a goalkeeper gives his defence confidence you know, and I think the defence has lacked some confidence. I think Denal and Gallus have been outstanding. I think the formation hasn't helped the full-backs. They've been under pressure. Their form has suffered. And I think sometimes, you know, the, the, the cliche in particular hasn't been fully fit when he's played. And a really steady goalkeeper gives you that more foundation and defensive footing. And I think that's so important. And I do think now that Arsene Wenger, there's a possibility that he might address the goalkeeping issue in the, in the summer because... Uh, if you ask sort of 10 Arsenal fans, I'm sure that at the moment nine would turn around and say Armenia is not good enough to, to carry on into next season. Um, he's just been he's just been edgy and, and not filled us with confidence. And and where on earth does Fabianski go from here? I really don't know because, you know, it was such a soul-destroying um, performance in, in, in Porto. Cesny is, is the one, but he's just too young, isn't he? I'm, I'm afraid, you know. Yeah, uh, I mean- we hear about Arsene Wenger talking about his, you know, young players and how he brings young players through. The one area that he doesn't necessarily uh, show a great deal of faith in young players, probably because you know, as a goalkeeper, you need you need experience. But his young goalkeepers, we've seen Manninger come through, not make it right. Stuart Taylor, who have had sort of runs, but always he has erred on the side of experience when when pushes come to shove. So. Uh, to, to expect, I mean, I know a lot of people have high hopes about Chesney now, but to expect a 19-year-old to come in and do what Casillas did at Real Madrid, for example, is, is a little bit unthinkable, really, isn't it? Yeah, I, t- I totally agree with that. I mean, I think Arsenal also had their claws into to Petr Cech, and I think part of the, uh, you know, part of the problem is that they lost Petr Cech, obviously, um, along, along the lines there, um, you know, and, and they were scouting him for a long time, and he ended up going to Chelsea and he was only 21 when he went to Chelsea and is installed at Chelsea. Within his first year at Chelsea, he established himself as the best goalkeeper in the world. So he can do it, and as you rightly say, Casillas, but you're talking about having to be exceptional goalkeepers. And I think also part of the problem is that, you know, Sesame, you know, was having this thing with Arsenal goalkeepers has suddenly put greater expectations on, on keepers. And there was, you can sign Petr Cech for a lot of money, say £5 million, and if he comes in, then 21, he's got a big frame, he, he looks that bit older than Sesney does, he, he still looks very young, and I think all of a sudden, you know, if you brought in Sesney next season, to start next season, I think the expectation levels would be on, on his shoulders, and that would weigh heavily again, but I do think from what I gather from the coaching staff, that he really is going to be a top, top goalkeeper, and he's the one, but it's just about balancing that you know, do we sign a really younger goalkeeper now or, or some, sign someone for the future? I know that people are getting sort of carried away with, I think, Thomas Sorensen's a last-minute deal. I really don't think that that was an option. I know that agents got busy with Arsenal because they see it as a weakness and try to put sort of goalkeepers forward um, into the window. But Arsenal Wenger was quite resolute to them, as, as I gather, you know, sort of saying, I'm not interested at the moment, you know. But as I say, I think the last few weeks might have just persuaded him that perhaps a goalkeeping issue is something he needs to address this summer. I certainly believe it has to be addressed 
because um, at the moment the, the squad of goalkeepers is, is just not sufficient what Arsenal need to go forward Alright um, your column this week before we look ahead uh, very quickly to the Stoke game your column this week spoke about people who, who leave early uh, and uh, it's a particular bugbear and people want to read your, your column they can find it at mirrorfootball.co.uk it is about people who leave early um, it seems to be uh, a problem at Arsenal it's not just confined to Arsenal though you might be able to say whether it's whether it's better uh, or worse uh, in other places but without going into the, the rights and wrongs of it because it's, a, it's a, an area on which people have strong opinions those who feel they pay their money they can come and go as they please and those who think you know well if you're there to support the team support the team and I think you, your, your final point was you don't go to the cinema and leave uh, a film with five minutes to go so why would you do the same at a football match but what can um Arsenal do to address this without really going into the, the rights and wrongs of it what can Arsenal do to address this because it is uh, a problem um, is there anything the club can do to, to make people stay well you know when I uh, when I when I go to, to games uh, you know as a, as a fan it, it's, a, it's a different experience as when I go to as a journalist because obviously afterwards you know I'm writing up or you know sort of interviewing and stuff so by the time I leave Emirates, it's it's um, you know it's sort of an hour has passed or, or whatever, and the, the you know the loads and the tubes are very very clear, and it's it's no it's no problem. I live quite close to the ground anyway, so it's not too much of an issue. But you know on the occasions there, as I you know as gone as a member of the paying public, it's I can understand it's um, it is frustrating afterwards. You know the transport is is absolutely crazy, um, but I, I would just say, you know, I think the biggest thing the club, the best thing the club could do, really, is is in the concourses, perhaps put forward a, a few more highlights, better packaged highlights, um, so maybe even the sort of, you know, the Arsenal TV online, sort of do a good, um, good sort of phone in afterwards, maybe you could sort of integrate part of that onto the show, keep the bars open so you can relax afterwards and when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. It's a brand new year, and what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of. Those I was there when Arsenal actually scored a goal t-shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way through to the did we hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. 
Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash arsblog, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash arsblog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash arsblog. Have a, have a pint and just wind down, let the immediate crowd disperse, and then, you know, have a pint and then basically watch the TV screens, and that will just... I think, help the issue. Because, believe you me, honestly, the players notice it. Thierry Henry honestly called me at the training ground once as a regular Arsenal follower and said, why do the players, why do the fans leave? You know, it's so distracting. We just need them until the end. And I can understand why people do it. I mean, I did write, you know, on sort of a Twitter entry on, on Saturday. Um, you know, and I, I got a lot of a lot of support for, for People saying, oh, gosh, if only I had the opportunity to go, I would never miss a kick. And I got very few sort of negative responses saying, I can, I can do what I like, I pay, I'm only taking a choice, you know. So it's, it's, it's really sort of divided. But um, I, just, I just feel the club could do that a bit much more. And at, at the same time, it would bring in important revenue for them. But yeah, I think it is a real, real issue. You know, I think, you know, obviously Champions League games midweek are a little bit different, maybe. People want to get home, then want to get home at sort of midnight, one o'clock in the morning or something. But even so, I think, you know, if you need a situation where your club needs you, honestly. All right. Um, I think maybe that's something uh, some of the supporters groups might want to uh, might want to take up with uh, Ivan Gazidis. He seems very uh, interested in listening to them at the best of times. So maybe that's something they can look at. Let's look ahead to Stoke because it's a, it's going to be a difficult game for Arsenal the FA Cup game there wasn't particularly good in terms of performance we know what Stoke are all about they're a big strong team they've got that huge long throw um, firstly what can Arsenal do to combat that long throw can they uh, stand somebody in front of where the lap is going to throw the ball will the ref allow that and secondly is it maybe a good time to play Stoke even though they've got the, the confidence of a, a good win against Manchester City in the FA Cup they did go to extra time and they might be a little bit tired. Yeah, I do. I do think they um, all of a sudden Tony Pulis is sort of saying that our um, that Stokes um, priorities were were staying in the Premier League might have shifted somewhat after knocking out Manchester City and going that much further in the um, in the FA Cup. I mean, it's, it's absolutely it's a great opportunity now for um, for Stoke, and also obviously going into extra time, grueling contest. I do really feel that Arsenal, having had the week off, will go there a little bit fresher. Uh, they'll go there with a stronger team than they put out in the FA Cup, and I think that you know I think it's a good opportunity to, to, to play them now. I do think that Roy Delap, his his throw has become their incredible you know weapon. Uh, Arsenal found it difficult to cope with in the past. Once you're talking about using a towel to wipe the ball down before you then wipe it down again with the shirt. I think you're kind of using things that are slightly outside of the game. The, the, the rules, I think, are quite uh, also strong about players standing in front of the floor. You're not really supposed to. But once you're using towels and outside equipment to, to, before you take a throw in, now I'm sorry, but the officials have got to take a look on, on you know, 
on on that for me. Um, I think it's it's fine. It's always been done that you wipe you wipe the ball with the shirt. That's one thing. But a towel, do me a favour. Do you think um, it should be banned? Then, well, I, I, I really I, I do. I, I just feel that, 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 that this is ridiculous. You know, would, would he take a sip of Lucas A? Or you know, before he takes the throwing, <laughs> the referee would stamp it out. That's Spinach. an outside influence. He wouldn't allow it. So why allow a towel? Mm. You know, so so if, if Stoke are bending the rules, why can't Arsenal bend the rules and put a player in front of the lap? So, you know, it just makes no sense. I'm sorry, but that's, that's crazy. Arsenal have got two centre-halves who have been good this season, been strong in the air, and I think it's up to them to sort of, you know, come and dominate the area because Al Munir, as we know, perhaps isn't the most dominant goalkeeper in the penalty box. And, um, and I think if Arsenal can weather that storm against Stoke, then I think they'll have a great opportunity. I think a few players are coming back. They're playing a little bit more confidence. I think if Arsenal can get the ball down on the floor and play their passing game, then I really think they can win this. I think if they can go to Stoke and win, that will give them the confidence and the belief that perhaps they still didn't gain even after beating Sunderland. If they can go to a difficult place like the Britannia and get all three points, it will leave them with believing that they can go to all of their, their games in the running, get three points, and then be real genuine contenders for the title. All right. Uh, well, fingers crossed that happens. John Cross from the Mirror. Thank you very much indeed. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. Of course, you can check out John on the Mirror website, and of course, in the in the, this thing called a newspaper. I, I, I believe people still buy them. Uh, he's in the Mirror or MirrorFootball.co.uk. Or, if you're a fan of Twitter, if you're on Twitter, you can follow John at twitter.com forward slash John Cross Mirror. That's twitter.com forward slash John Cross Mirror. And uh, unlike some journalists who use Twitter as a a soapbox through which they can make some interesting and occasionally amusing posts, John actually engages. So if you want to have a good bit of a chat, he's well up for that. Twitter.com forward slash John Cross Mirror. We'll be looking ahead to the Stoke game and the injury news in just a couple of moments. podcast here on Arshblog, your home for everything to do with Andre Arshavin. I am your host, Arshblogger, and this is hilariously but aptly named podcast, Arshcast. On this week's show, we have all your favorites, including Poetry with Pavlichenko. This week is 56 verse epic on how Stalin's great purge means that Tottenham manager and creative accountant Harry Redknapp don't like him. We are at home with Elenichev. And we have Talk Truth and Only Truth and Not Propaganda Radio. Also, listen for competition, your chance to win year's supply of vodka and sex date with Ginger One from Tattoo. But first, we have very special guest, Andre Arshavin. Welcome to Arshcast. Hello? 
Now, last week, we asked our listener to write in with questions. Now, you answer questions. Ready? Uh, it is uh, possible. Okay, first question is from Dimitri. He say, I like very much your play, and when you score, I enjoy celebrationing with finger in mouth like shh. Please, can you tell to me why it is it is you do this? No. Next, Nikolai. Who is most funny person in group of Arsenal? Mm, for me, is uh, Ebue because uh, he remind me of uh, my cousin who live in Attic. He was uh, very funny with uh, you know bang head on wall. <laughs> He's uh, Ebue. Maria ask. In film Kramer vs. Kramer, which Kramer was your favorite Kramer? Definitely man Kramer. Now we have question from Kevinsky. He say, in light of rapid growth of Gazprom, the major producer and distributor of natural gas, and the role of energy in regional conflicts involving Russia... How will Medvedev's election change the course of Russian energy policy? I do not know. Next question is from JT, who say, In Russian football, is okay to have sex with wife of teammate? In general, no. But uh, in Russia, don't have uh, Ashley Cole as teammate. Norbovian ask. Have you ever been stung in the penis by a jellyfish? No, but um, I have been uh, bitten in anus by uh, anteater. From George, if you could be a ghost, werewolf or superhero, which would you be? I uh, cannot be anything but uh, myself. What is your favorite color? Asked Mark. Um, better not to tell you um, now. And final question. Jason want to know what time is love? Um, this uh, question, I think uh, answer is 3 a.m. KLF? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Thank you very much, Andre Arshavin. I feel like I know very essence of your soul after in-depth answers to intriguing questions from listeners. Still to come many things on Arshcast. Next, Andre Kanchelskis, P.I. <laughs> So, what left have we got to talk about only? The Stoke game. And, uh, well, what can you say about Stoke? As we said with John Cross, they're a big physical team. They've got a big long throw on Rory DeLapp. What's interesting is DeLapp is not the best long thrower anymore. Your guy at Wolves, who we have to face in a few weeks' time, this guy Halford, he actually puts spin on it. The ball curves. It's like uh, Liam Brady into the top corner against Spurs. That's how much it curves. It's like... <laughs> so, DeLaps are long and hard, and I'm talking about his throws, of course. Uh, so, we have to deal with those. 
But Stoke are managed by a man in his 50s who wears a baseball cap. Now, there comes a time in a man's life where he has to he has to admit that certain things he can't wear anymore. Like, I don't know, purple velvet pants. When you're younger, you can wear those. When you're not quite so young, purple velvet pants are not a good idea. People will think you're some kind of a dandy. And men of a certain age, certainly of Tony Pulis's age, would not want to be considered in that way. And I can understand the wearing of a baseball cap, for example, if it's a very sunny day and you're trying to see what's going on. However, as we all know, Stoke only gets three days of sunshine a year. So he has no excuse. He has neither age nor weather on his side. So he wears a baseball cap. And I think it is incumbent on this Arsenal team, leaving aside pretensions of trying to win the league, leaving aside our desperate need for trophies, we have a duty to football as a whole to beat Stoke simply because their manager is a man of a certain age who wears a baseball cap. There are standards that one expects in life that people should live up to. And they are, they're rare because for the most part people don't. But it's got to start somewhere. Arsenal have a job to do on Saturday and that is to beat Stoke. Yes, we need three points. Yes, we want to win the league. He's wearing a baseball cap and he's 50-something years of age. What is he doing? I don't know. Football managers these days, it was much easier in the old days when they're all alcoholics. Uh, I'm, I'm strangely confident for some reason. Stoke have done 120 minutes in midweek. They're big and they're physical and they gave us a turning over when we played them. Uh, in the FA Cup. But I think, you know, all three of those goals were down to in individual mistakes. And we've gone through individual mistakes before. I'm confident that if we can cut out the individual mistakes, and maybe it's a big if, but it's not that big an if for a professional football team. If we can cut out those mistakes, then I think we can beat them. So that that's my thinking. Uh, team news is that uh, Gallas is not fit. So you have to imagine that it will be Saul Campbell who will play in the center of defense. Otherwise, the alternative is uh, Sylvester. And that is... Uh, Sylvester's so old, he should be wearing Tony Pulis's baseball cap. That's all I'm saying on that one. So uh, Campbell in for me. No Diaby. And I would be very much inclined to keep things as they were against uh, Sunderland in that uh, song. Sesk and Ramsey should make up the midfield. And no Arshavin either. So up front is probably going to stay more or less the same as well. Uh, so that's really it. We've got to look forward to a Stoke game. It's at half five on Saturday. A nice time to start having a couple of beers and watching football. So fingers crossed we can do the business. Fingers crossed Tony Pulis will look at the result and think, my God, they beat us not only because they wanted to win the game, not only because they have aspirations, high ambitions, but they've put me right in my place here. I'm going to have to rethink my headwear. 
Tony Pulis should be wearing. I mean, if he was wearing a, a linen suit and a fedora of some kind, I would have no problem at all. Because I want to get to a certain point in my life. I'm not quite old enough yet, but I want to get to a point in my life where I wear hats a lot. Because I think the world was a better place when more people wore hats. Fedoras, trilbies, bowlers, stetsons. You know, it all depended on where you came from, what sort of work you did. But hats were an important part of life. And now, who wears a hat? Nobody. You see old men who wear who wear caps. That's fair enough. Now, not baseball caps, the old flat cap type thing. But in general, people don't wear hats anymore. Is that because umbrellas became ubiquitous? I don't know. But I think hats should make a comeback. Mrs. Bloggs, I have to admit, she's not especially keen on the idea of me wearing hats. But... I think the world would be a better place if more people wore hats. And somebody's got to start it. I'm not saying I'm a great trendsetter or or anything like it. I'm certainly not. All I'm saying is that I see hat wearing as a big part of my future. And if other people were to decide, my goodness, you know, wearing hats is quite excellent. Indeed, I also am going to wear a hat. Whatever their style of hat, provided it wasn't a baseball cap, I would fully support them. I mean, who can complain, apart from Mrs. Bloggs? She can complain. Maybe it's the old uh, wine there, but I feel like I'm opening up to you here. We're connecting on a basic head apparel level, which doesn't happen very often these days, does it? Does not. Anyway, here's to killing Stoke right in their fucking cunts. And three points for Arsenal, and a nice little international break with no injuries with no breaks in the international break and uh, we can continue on the season and it'll all get a bit more exciting and none of this midweek tedium anymore all right then until the very next Arscast, talk to you all week on the blog um take it easy have a good one have a hat wearing one seriously your missus might not like it but she'll get used to it cheers bye-bye Ladies and gentlemen, or should I just say gentlemen, because it is a gentleman-only club, we are here today to welcome a new member to the National Association of the Biggest Cunts in the World. A man who during the course of his officiating career displayed levels of cuntitude that others could only dream of. A man who left Uriah Wenny weeping in corners weak after week. And now, as he embarks on his new career, columning. Well, is there a verb for that?
writing, yes, of course, writing a column for the Daily Mail. He has transcended the ordinary. He makes wicked little John look like a beacon of sanity and erudition. He has raised the bar, so we know that in the future, new members will indeed have to be super-duper cunts. Graham Pohl, please come up here and collect your award. Now, Graham, here you go, the important part of being a member of the National Association of the Biggest Cunts in the World. Here is your cap, your gown, your diploma, and, of course, the key to the executive bathroom, which is also the key to Ashley Cole's bathroom. Enjoy. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.